welcome to Commercial Real Estate Eyes Wide Open podcast. My name is Ann Hambly, and I'm the founder and CEO of First Service Solutions. I spent 35 years of my career in servicing and led a lot of large servicing shops before creating my firm. Enough about me. I'm very happy to have today um, on our podcast, John Chang. John is the uh, National Director of Research and Advisory Services for Marcus and Millichap. You're very well known in that role, John, and I'm very, very pleased to have you today. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's great to be on with uh, with an icon like you, Anne. Oh, well, no, no, that, that's funny. I think you are the icon, so we'll go to you here. <laughs> yeah, I assume everyone knows very well what Marcus and Millichap does, and I don't think it needs any introduction, but if you want to take a second and say anything more about your firm, feel free. And Otherwise, we'll jump in. We've got some exciting topics today, so let me give you a minute in case you want to do that. Otherwise, we'll jump right into the hot topics. Sure, sure. I'll just briefly mention uh, Marcus Millichap is a national, actually international brokerage firm uh, helping investors buy and sell commercial real estate in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, We also help with financing and my team provides research and insights to help investors make better decisions when they're buying or selling commercial real estate assets. And a lot of what we're going to talk about today is your insight on on those investor questions that might arise. And I guess we're going to talk a little bit today about um, uh, really fun topics like inflation, <laughs> interest rate changes, and so on. But let's start with uh, your outlook on inflation. I know uh, inflation is pushing, what, 8%. So what do you see? What's driving that? What's in store? What do you think the future kind of looks like? like and why does that matter to an investor yeah inflation as as everybody's well aware has been rising pretty significantly over the last year or so uh and you know if you there's a lot of different ways to measure it if you look at the headlines it's about eight percent uh if you look at what the federal reserve uses uh they're indicating that core PCE personal consumption expenditures uh, just got a new reading at 5.4%. Both of those are high. Uh, the Federal Reserve wants those to be around 2%. So that means the Fed's going to start taking action. And why that's important to investors is that depending on which type of property you're in, how leases are structured, uh, and and other variables like that, it can affect your yields going forward. Uh, you want your yields to be greater than than inflation uh, in order to generate real positive income growth. And so that's going to be a key metric over the next probably in the next two to three years uh, as we grapple with this inflationary pressure. And I know um, one of the things the feds do to in this kind of situation is they raise rates, right? I think they raised the rates, uh, the Fed rate, uh, what, a quarter of a point in this month, middle of this month or something. Yeah. Um, what do you see in store? I mean, I know no one knows, right? Uh, maybe they run it by you first. I don't know. But what do you yeah. see? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm on the bad phone for the uh, for, for Jay yeah. Powell. He picks it up and says, hey, what should we do? No, okay, I, then I, tell I, us what you see. <laughs> I, I wish that were the case, actually. But uh, no, I mean, they did communicate at their last meeting uh, when they did raise uh, rates by 25 basis points. Uh, they did communicate that they plan on raising them another six times this year. 
They could be 25 basis point rate increases. They could be 50 basis point rate increases. Uh, but that means that over the course of 2022, the Federal Reserve's overnight rate, and I, and I want to dis, uh, place a distinction on that, that it's different from what you see at the 10-year rate or the two-year rate or three-month rate or any of those other interest rates on treasuries that you see out there. But the Fed overnight rate will go from basically zero to somewhere around 2% over the course of this year. And that's going to tend to push up all the different interest rates uh, over the span of this year. And that means that for investors, the cost of borrowing is going to change over the course of the year. It's going to probably go up quite a bit. Wow. So what would you, I, I had not heard that six times this year. Well, it's going to be a lot of moving parts. Um, what I know you give investment strategic advice to people. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, um, I don't know, is there any inflation resistant type real estate or what would you give advice to me? Um, what kind of advice would you give to me entering into 2022 as an investor here? Sure, sure. So you, you have a lot of factors in play here, right? You have inflation and there's certain types of property that hold up uh, really well in inflationary periods. Overall, real estate tends to perform better than most other investments in inflationary periods, just because the values tend to rise, the cost of materials rise, the replacement costs rise. And so all types of commercial real estate are going to get a lift from uh, from inflation. Uh, but there are certain types that are going to be more resistant. And those are the ones that can move the rates on a more frequent basis. Now, there are some uh, properties with long-term leases that have built-in rent escalators into the leases. So those are going to do pretty well, right? They, they, they have the ability to raise their rents as inflation impacts the market. Uh, other types of property uh, include apartments where you can raise your rents once a year, usually when your leases uh, or self-storage, which predominantly moves their rents every month. Uh, and then finally, hotels, which move rates uh, basically every night. And so those types of real estate will be more inflation resistant. And then on the other side of the equation, we have a rising interest rate climate. Uh, and, and in fact, earlier this week, uh, we, we're actually starting to see some challenges with uh, yield curve inversions, which is uh, perceived to be a, a signal of, a, of an upcoming recession. So we have this whole inflation thing on one side. We have rising interest rates, which is going to drive up the cost of capital to invest in real estate when you borrow money. And then you have this thing hanging out there of maybe there's a recession, you know, somewhere in the next couple years that we should be considering as we make our investment decisions. So those are that's a lot of variables to play with in terms of recession resistance. Properties with longer leases tend to be more resistant to inflation, I mean, to recessions. Um, so basically, if your leases are in place and you're going to collect those rents, whether there's a recession or no recession, then of course that property maintains value through that period. Uh, so I guess in that category, if you want inflation resistance and recession resistance, you're going to want something with those long-term leases that have those inflation escalators. 
If you can't get that, look for other types of properties that are naturally resistant to re recessions, things like self-storage. Now, I can't say that it's definitely going to be recession resistant, but in the last two recessions, those are the ones we have data for, self-storage tended to perform better than most other property types during recessions. Uh, most of the leases held, their occupancy rates held uh, during downturns, and their rates tended to hold up better than most other properties. Uh, and then, of course, apartments uh, are, are in an advantageous situation because there's a housing shortage. So even though, unless, unless the recession is very severe, uh, the apartments should hold up pretty well just because there's more demand than there is supply out there and that should be able to help operators keep those properties running well. Um, and then finally, that, that last part we were talking about, which is the rising interest rate climate, uh, that's going to be a case of wanting to uh, get your rates locked in now. You, wanna, uh, you don't wanna be on floaters anymore. You don't wanna be on adjustable rate mortgages uh, in a rising interest rate climate. You wanna get those rates locked in uh, so that you can keep your cost structure stable as the rates go up because eventually they'll come back down again, right? It's just a, it's a matter of time. It's a matter of cycles. Uh, and right now with a higher inflation cycle, higher interest rate cycle, uh, you wanna have your uh, debt costs fixed for as long as you can you can keep them there. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just thinking, um, so it's a lot of good information, by the way. When was our last recession? Was it the 08 recession? Yeah, yeah, that, that was uh, a completely different kind of recession, right? We yeah. had the financial crisis, there was a liquidity crunch, um, there, were, uh, there were a lot of problems with the real estate bubble uh, in housing. Uh, we simply overdeveloped housing during uh, the period leading up to that recession. Uh, there were a lot of people who were buying homes and getting loans on those houses that really weren't qualified by today's standards. Mm -hmm. um, the underwriting was very lax. We don't have those same issues this time, right? The financial right. system's much more solid. There's a lot more capitalization. The underwriting's been stronger. Uh, the, we don't have a, a, an oversupply of housing. It's the exact opposite. We have an undersupply of housing right now. Uh, so, you know, I'm not really worried about something like what we had that last cycle, the Great Recession. Um, you know, we're looking at more of a quote-unquote normal recession. <laughs> uh, kind of like what we saw in 2001, uh, 2002, uh, but hopefully with, without, without the, the terrorist attack mixed into it. And uh, so it should be a relatively mild uh, recession, this next one coming around. And it's not even a foregone conclusion. We have so much capital and liquidity in the marketplace right now. In fact, if anything, we have too much liquidity in the marketplace. There's too much capital out there. Savings are at an all-time high. It's about $5 trillion more than normal uh, in terms of the amount of money put in savings accounts. And that should help sustain spending and consumption uh, through the next couple of years, which will drive economic growth. So even though we're starting to see some financial market uh, uh, issues and, and some you know, yield curve inversion is going to be in the news a lot over the next month. 
it is not a guarantee that we're going to have a recession. There are a lot of factors out there that could keep us in positive territory. Uh, so, so people don't need to really worry too much about that yet. I know there was a lot of talk, of, and I hear, I agree, agree totally and understand what you're saying. Hopefully all everybody listening to this does. There's no way to predict tomorrow, you know, let alone later today, right? And um, I just remember that we all were worried or were wondering when the next recession was going to happen back in like, I remember sitting around a table in 2019, wondering what would trigger the next recession, right? And is this kind of that recession we're talking about? Because COVID, of course, came in the middle and knocked us all flat and now we're up. And so that's that recession in essence, right? Yeah, we had the pandemic recession in 2020. It was very yeah. short, very severe. I mean, we yes. lost you know 22 million jobs uh, virtually overnight. Uh, very severe uh, uh, situation. Economy came to a standstill overnight. And uh, but the good news is, is it recovered very quickly. We got to bounce back, and we we got that recovery. Um, you know, in in many ways, you can't even consider that to be a traditional recession. Um, but yeah, we've, yeah. we've all been kind of sitting back and going, well, you know, is it coming? Is it coming? Mm -hmm. And we, we've been monitoring, uh, actually before the pandemic, we were sitting there looking and it's like that yield curve is getting pretty flat. Economy starting to slow down. Uh, we're losing momentum, consumption starting to taper. We're, we're seeing signals that we're moving that direction. Then COVID hit. Yeah. Completely changed everything. We injected five and a half trillion dollars into the economy through the stimulus packages, and it was just hitting. It just hit everything with adrenaline right there, and and shot it up. We look at consumption, retail sales up, you know, dramatic numbers on a year-over-year -year basis, and and when you compare it to pre-pandemic numbers, uh, consumption is is at an all-time high by far. And uh, and that is, again, a key driver of the economy in the United States. So it could be it could hold up very well. Uh, but again, the, the inflation is an issue and the Fed is going to be aggressive in pushing up those interest rates uh, very quickly uh, and uh, and and try to ease back the market liquidity. They want to get some of that liquidity out of the marketplace to slow things down. Um, and, you know, there's always a risk. Every time the Fed's dealing with something like this, there's always a risk that they hit it a little too hard and drive the economy into a recession. So, so it is lurking out there as a possibility. Yeah. Well, it's all a very, very interesting uh, insight and information that you shared today, John. I really appreciate it and um, appreciate your time. I know you've got a lot of things on your plate. So taking the time to speak to all of the listeners here today is very appreciated. So you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anne. It's been a pleasure.